Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever three-person podcast in the history of Canadian football perspective. We've spent the last 20 minutes pushing buttons on this new <laughs> thing that we bought at CFP to be able to go mobile and do events like this because we are coming to you right now live in person. Although you're listening to this probably recorded because it's a podcast. We're putting it out afterwards. From Merritt <laughs> Brewing in downtown Hamilton. Uh, and we have been able to piece this together. Thanks to our good friends, of course, at Fox 40 Whistle. They are our good friends. They're Really, they're our lovers, Kyle Mello. They're, they're, yes. they're our bedmates uh, throughout the year. They've been very, very special to us. I was actually disappointed that uh, Mr. Foxcroft is not a uh, referee for the uh, yeah. Great Cup. Could you be... A, a person from, from Hamilton, Hamilton calling yeah. a Grey Cup in Hamilton when Hamilton's playing in it. That's probably a good call. I Has would Andre Prue ever done an Alouette's Grey Cup? That's a good question. He's been a referee for a long time when yeah. Calvillo was in you know, his heyday with the I Owls. wonder. That's a good question. Anyways, the stinger that you heard off the top there, uh, there's there's a bunch of buttons here <laughs> on this unit that Kyle and I were just saying, this is, a, this is actually kind of full circle because we're doing this event as Canadian football perspective in Hamilton this is the type of event that we always wanted to do when we were doing actual radio for TSN 1150. Yeah. We partnered up with Fox 40 and Sawdust City Brewing, which is why they gave us the connection to be here at Merritt and to throw this Grey Cup tailgate party and all the rest today. But we partnered up with them because we lost our jobs at TSN 1150. Then we use all the sponsorship and all of the partnership with, with Fox 40 and Sawdust City to be able to buy this unit. And the first thing Kyle says when we sit down today to tape this is wow, this is a way better setup than we had when we were doing radio. And I'm like, what a full circle moment that is to be like, this is actually yeah. better than doing radio and we're doing it in a place where we always wanted to do radio on yeah. Grey Cup Sunday where obviously if the Ticats were in it and we were the home of the Ticats, we would be at the stadium since like 5 a.m. doing a pregame <laughs> yes. show, would we not? Yeah, uh, when we were at TSM, we used uh, for all the... Uh the technology uh, nerds out there. Yes. We used a Comrex unit, and it was an analog unit, not a digital unit. It was probably from the late 90s, so much so <laughs> that the battery on the Comrex unit that we used to use, we had to duct tape it in place because yeah. it would fiddle its way out, and then we would just go off air. Yeah. So uh, I came up with the conclusion of, hey, why don't we just wrap it in duct tape so the battery never comes out? There you go. That's, that's the perfect <laughs> solution. solution. Yeah, wait. <laughs> the other voice that you hear, and the reason that I say it's a three-man booth today, which is the most difficult thing in broadcasting to pull off, but I got no fear in doing it with you guys, <laughs> uh, is that uh, Wade Zanchetti is here, of course, from All Canadian. Tremendous work on the OUA show throughout the year. He looks legit. Kyle does not. Uh, Wade, is, Wade has got... The head-to-toe CFP swagger on right now. Uh -huh. We're going to be giving that away as we go throughout the afternoon here at Merritt. And Kyle is just Homer guy. Kyle, I Yeah, mean, so I, there's very few times <laughs> I, uh, I rock the Ticats gear. But as a lifelong Hamiltonian, I, you know, at this event, I thought it was necessary. It's not a bad day to do it. When I, I head down to Tim Hortons Field... I will not be wearing this. Oh, wow, oh, really? I can't sit in the press box with this stuff on. People will look at me strange. I don't think you're working with the team. When yeah, like, <laughs> I don't work for the team. I don't yeah. work with the team. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, I would say cheers here, Wade, to you. We've got ourselves a couple. You've got the uh, the half shell, little, uh, yeah. little Helly's little bit of the sawdust collaboration going on. We should, here, actually, we should probably do this into the microphone. It's a sonic experience. Here. Ah, there you go. Now you know we're at a brewery. Now you can actually hear it. Uh, but yeah, we are, we're super excited to be here and very thankful to Merritt Brewing for giving us the opportunity to uh, throw a Grey Cup tailgate and have some fun, have some beers with some listeners and all the rest. Uh, in, in the future, not just in 2023, when this party comes back to Hamilton, 
we're actually going to do this bigger and better. Like, this is a bit of a test event for everything we're yeah. trying to create. And now that we got this upgrade in technology, we can do it through a regular season. We can travel around and do different events and all sorts of combines fun stuff. Combines and so, drafts. Yeah, I mean, combines yeah. My, my combine and draft guys at All Canadian, they, uh, transparently, on the text thread of CFP, the season wasn't even done yet, the regular season, I don't think. And Wade sent no. a message that he was like, yo, have you seen the film on this guy from Montreal? I was like, no, I haven't seen anything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to figure out whether or not Masoli sucks or not. Yeah. Like, I haven't really had time to dig Can he all. really help out the Elks or the Red Blacks? <laughs> who finished last? Red Blacks finished last. Yeah, there you go. Looking at, Are you sure? There might be a tiebreaker. There. I was going to say, I don't even know who has the top Oh, well, yeah, pick. the Red Blacks won late in the season. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the Elks are actually last because uh, the Red Blacks, uh, they're only – Two wins for a large part of the season were against the Elks. This is dangerous. <laughs> I just had my first sip of the beer, and it's delicious. Mine's smooth. I'm, uh, I'm quite impressed. I mean, Soda City, any uh, name attached to that one is going to be a good beer. But Merritt yeah. uh, does some great stuff, too. Yeah, and, uh, and to have them having us down here and having some fun, I think, is uh, we're going to have a good time with everybody today. I Already, your, uh, your girlfriend, Danielle, is here, and uh, a man walked over and took a picture of us sitting as we're inside the actual brew house. And you said that he came over and said, that's Marshall Ferguson, as if I was a Kardashian. Yeah, that's what she texted me. Yeah, Marshall's a Kardashian. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I need to pick up a drug habit and then uh, you know, date a bunch of famous people yes. and uh, get arrested for something wonky, and, uh, and then I'll go from there. That's By the way, cool. shout out to Reggie Bush. He got out of that family oh and just kept his head and was able to have a successful broadcasting career post-Kardashian. He did the yeah. inverted Kardashian life experience. <laughs> yeah. He was in trouble, got with the Kardashian, and then turned it around. They weren't like... They were big, but they weren't massive. He got out right before they became massive. Yeah. It was a good thing. Uh, Chris so Humphreys, all these like. It's funny that you <laughs> mentioned that because I did Grey Cup Saturday on TSN yesterday for six hours. And at one point, we read a promo for Tangerine Raptors basketball. And the promo that uh, the guy, Luca, that I was working with, he's, you know, they're coming out of break. They're like, Luca, you're going to hit the Raptors read here. Just go to your promo sheet. He's like, okay. They come back. They run the graphic. And you hear my other producer being like, okay, run Stinger. Okay, Purple Viz up. Okay, and cue Luca. And he goes, Tangerine Raptors basketball is back coming up. It will be this Saturday night when the Toronto Raptors take on Tristan Thompson and the Sacramento Kings. I almost laughed in the middle of the promo. <laughs> I was like, Tristan Thompson's a king? Yeah. Like I, I felt like just yelling, Tristan Thompson is a king? In the middle of the con- I was, But that's the funny thing about... Uh, about television is that I can't do this where I just yeah. I just get to be a dick and just like <laughs> just ruin everything intentionally. Uh, like we were even we were recording a hit, and I heard in my ear all of a sudden in my IFB right that I could hear somebody's voice and I turned to Luca. I'm like, why do I hear voices in my like who else is talking? Who's on the same channel right now in my ear? And he goes, I don't know, I can't tell. And then I realized that's Tim Haraney. Oh, who's one of my good friends? And I, so I called. I Tim goes, okay, guys, we ready to start taping here? Yeah, okay, ten seconds, everybody, all good. And I whipped out my phone, and I called Tim to intentionally try and dive bomb his recording because he was doing a sports center hit before the crazy <laughs> F, before the crazy F one race. And I said, I'm gonna try to do a hit, uh, try to ruin his hit by calling him. And I just right in my ear, I'm waiting for it. The phone's going off. He cancels the phone call, and then I hear him go, "Ooh, sorry about that, everybody," because it went off on his iPad, his phone, his computer, <laughs> like his whole setup that they had ready to start taping for Sportser. And I was like, "See, that's the stuff I like to do is just create mayhem inside the TSN building." And uh, and being on air, unfortunately, doesn't really lend itself to that too much. But uh, anyways, I I do want to say just before we get into breaking down a little bit of this game, that I'm also just super hyped to go through the soundboard here Kyle because you and I are amazed this unit that we got thanks to our partnership with Fox 40 and Sada City uh, it came with a whole bunch of preloaded sounds 
There's eight of them on here. We only know two. And I don't know what the other six are. So you heard, you heard the intro stinger. Here's the other one that we heard because we just we slapped it to see what would happen. Okay, good. So we have a laugh track. So anytime that something happens here uh, inside of Merit Brewing and we feel like we need a laugh track, we have that. What else do we have? Wow, big turnout today. Yeah. Jeez, that's awesome. Oh. So, uh, that's after a Kyle Mello joke that doesn't land. <laughs> most of the jokes. Hey, there you go, little Richie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Twilight Zone? Wow, that only plays once? Is that our tinfoil hat? Uh, <laughs> sound <laughs> what a weird stinger. Though. I would thought it was going to be like a full song. They, you know what we're going to use for this one? Will the Hamilton Tiger Cats finally fix their Grey Cup drought? <laughs> there you go, Twilight Zone for you. Oh, birds. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Super random. Ah, a little flashback. How about that? I mean, a little flashback for it. Will the Hamilton Tiger Cats be able to defeat the demons of 1998? We take a look back. <laughs> yeah, we could have some fun with that. All right, yes. let's get to the game itself, guys. Uh, I am delirious from trying to break this thing down and talking it through and all of the rest. Connor, I will begin with you. Hold the microphone close to your face because we're just screaming in here because we're trying to talk over these damn tanks. <laughs> this damn brew house. Uh, but the, the matchup with the Ticats against the Bombers comes down to what? Like, what is the one thing that is driven into your head where you're like, oh, that's going to decide the entire game? Uh, Willie Jefferson off the edge. Yeah. Can the Ticats slow him down with a mixture of quick game, 60 pro, 70 pro if you even need the help because, let's face it, it's Willie Jefferson. Or can he start teeing off and make an impact early and often? That's yeah. what uh, this one's really going to come down to for me. I saw our dear friend DT I was just about to pull out, up this stat. Yeah, uh, find it. You got it there? Drop back. Okay. Yeah. The sack rate on dropbacks. Zach Kolaris, 3.8% sack rate compared to Dane Evans, who's 13.1. Yeah. So uh, we know Kyle has been very hard on the Ticats offensive line all year. Yeah. Uh, this is not looking good. If you have 13% sack rate going against Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffco, I mean, the names go on and on for this Bombers defense, and it does not help the Hamilton offensive line. Yeah, so a lot of people have been bringing up uh, what happened in the regular season between these two teams in the opening week of the year. And Trevon Tate was starting at left tackle, and Kay Okafor was starting at right tackle. Completely two new bookends now yeah. with Jordan Murray and uh, and obviously Chris Van Zyl. So I think the that stat is a little bit misleading because this offensive line is not the offensive line that Dane had early in the season when he went into Montreal, his first start, and, and I know Dane didn't play the, the first game against Winnipeg, but that, that first game that he started uh, in Montreal, the Ticats picked up the win. But Dane was sacked six times in that game. He was hurt multiple times. Yeah. Um, and the Ticats really struggled to protect. And they did the, basically up until, you know, post, I would say, I can't even remember. Like, they, they went down this uh, stretch of playing Eastern Division teams, whether it was Ottawa or Montreal, and then the Ticats offensive line started to figure it out, but I thought they had their best performance last week against Toronto, so I would say Dane Evans, I expect to have a little bit more time than we would assume so based on what happened in the regular season. Yeah, and the thing that I was super interested by is, in terms of the protection that we talk about is, I actually ran into Kay Okafor on the concourse at the Eastern Final. 
and he was just wandering through, and even with a mask on and a parka and the hood up and all the rest, I like I saw Start Kay. To miss. I saw Kay, and I'm like, that's a monster of a human being. It's pretty easy to tell it's Kay Okafor. And we kind of locked eyes for a second. I said, hey, man, what's up? And he came over and he talked to me. And I said, listen, like I wish that your season would have gone better. Yeah. I really do. Like I like you, and you and I have always said we like Kay, and we yeah. wish the best He's for great. him. He's got the physical makeup, but people don't realize his journey is such that he didn't really have the opportunity to learn and develop. It was just like two, three years, give some base fundamentals. He's had three different head coaches in his career in Hamilton already, and it's like, here, play week one against Willie Jefferson. A tackle. Like, yeah, and I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's a guard. Obviously, that's going to be a disaster against Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. Like week one, when they're healthy and fresh and motivated, coming off a full year and a half mm-hmm. of training. So, and I said to him, like, I'm sorry that we had to basically shit all over you, but, like, I hope you realize why. And he said, dude, I was bad. Like, he's super self-aware. He's like, I was bad. We were bad. But he said, this group that they have right now, and this was Kay talking honestly about the group that was playing in the Eastern Final and that will play in the Great Cup today. He said, this is the best group we've had all year. Like, we've actually peaked. We've actually figured it out. The thing is, Willie Jefferson does not give a damn whether or not you've peaked. Yeah. He does not care. And, and what I find amazing about the whole Willie dynamic and Jeff Coat, obviously, and Big Hill and Stove Richardson, and like those guys, everybody thinks that it's, well, we'll send four, five, six players and get after the quarterback. There's so many times throughout the year when you actually really closely watch the tape where Willie's dropping into coverage, where Willie's like flying out into the flats, where Jackson Jeff Coat is dropping into a hook zone underneath. Like Richie Hall's defense is not. I have two of the best defensive ends in the league. I'm just going to line them up and chase you down and make you, you know, feel pain the entire mm-hmm. day. He actually plays some mind games with them, and it, it actually makes me wonder if they did decide to simplify things and just be like, bleep you, we're better than you, we're just going to rush all, all players at all times, how many more sacks would they actually have? Yeah. If they were just letting them go all the time and just sending them and just blitzing. And I, I think there is a little bit of that fear for Ticats fans and knowing that Willie Jefferson – might be the, the one thing that just ruins your whole game plan. But I also think that Tommy Condell has probably learned the lessons of what that game was in 2019. Yeah. And he probably just wants to get the ball out super quick. So I would, well, I would expect that Dane's going to have a bunch of highly efficient, low underneath scripted plays. And the question for me is whether or not that's enough to move the football. Well, let's look at last week because in the East. Oh, my God. Like, there's a Chad Johnson Montreal Alouettes jersey here. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a great going, party. Are we going to buy it off of him afterwards? <laughs> oh, that's so uh, good. Um, um, but let's look at last week because when you talk about Tommy Condell, Toronto in the East has one of the best pass rushes mm-hmm. straight up. I and mean, we, we saw the names they loaded up with in the yeah. offseason. You put together the completion chart for Dane Evans. Mm. There's two throws over 10 yards. Everything else is underneath. Yep. And you know as a quarterback, best way to defeat a pass rush is quick game. Yeah. You just get the ball out of your hands. They can't get upfield and cause havoc. This was, this was an interesting part of the Enoch Mwamba post-game press conference from the Eastern Final where he, somebody, I think it was Matthew Shinetti, uh, asked, did you make a big deal of when they changed from Jeremiah to Dane? And he said, it's not about the quarterback, it's about the system. Mm-hmm. When Dane came in, they were scared of the pass rush, so they started getting the ball out quickly. And in my mind, I'm, going, I'm like, oh, Enoch doesn't understand what Dane is about. Yeah, he's a rhythm thrower. Like, they changed their system because they changed their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, they got into a rhythm because they changed their quarterback, because they changed their approach. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, where it's like, well, they changed it, but it has nothing to do with Dane. It's like, no, I, I'm pretty sure it's because Dane came in, and that's why I think the interesting question for me in the first quarter tonight is whether or not Hamilton can move the football and actually like put up points, but really consistently move the football 
eat up a little bit of the time of possession by playing that way. Yeah. Um, I think it's another, you know, interesting point of if you look at the depth chart for the Ticats, this is the first time in a while I can remember of them dressing a backup tackle, right? Vorn calls in for Hamilton. Now I know there's a pregame scratch and maybe Vorn calls one of those guys uh, that gets scratched, but I think it's going to be a defensive lineman. Did you do what I did when the depth chart came out where you're like, okay, who's trying to play the game here? I'm like, where's the weird scratch and the weird roster movement going to come from that we don't see coming? I don't know. Does it come at the defensive line after Ted Laurent? Obviously, he's not playing in the Grey Cup because of the appendectomy. Um, that'll be interesting to see. But I think that it is interesting to point out that Jordan Murray is starting at left tackle, but Vorn Call is in there yeah. um, on the on the team as, for, as of right now. Um, so you know, if Murray struggles in the game, Vorn Call could step in there. You know, I said a few weeks back, I think Vorn Call is the, the better tackle. Yeah. It's not the way that Coach O sees it. Um, you know, Murray's a mountain of a man. He's a little bit stiff to me. You know, he gets blown outside um, sometimes. So we'll see what happens uh, in, in terms of you know the the pass rush and can you slow down Willie Jefferson? And you know, I think for for Hamilton too, for for Dane Evans to have that quick passing game, also. You have to stretch the field at some point to slow down that pass rush, right? And you know mm-hmm. this as, as well. Um, Willie Jefferson, all the time, he's dropping in coverage out of nowhere, right? He rushes, you know, five straight snaps, and then he drops. If, if Dane doesn't see that, he's had an interception before against the Ticats. Yeah. I think he had one in week one. Um, you know, nothing to say <laughs> that he can't pull another one off. That was that was the interception where he got it thrown right into his chest by yeah. Masoli because it was a low crossing route from Brandon Banks. And then, Masoli never saw him. Masoli never saw him. And then there was the clip on, on TSN's uh, Wired show for yeah. the CFL where Willie was sitting on the bench and looked down at a Big Hill. He's like, Biggie! He threw it right at me. He's like, dog, he didn't even see me. Like, he's just, he was stunned. He had no idea why Jeremiah had thrown at him. But it's like, I mean, yeah, it's tough to miss Willie Jefferson. But when you get, I can say this as a, as a former bad quarterback, that when you get locked in on somebody, you can throw interceptions in weird, weird ways. Yeah. Like, it, it happens, right? But You say former bad quarterback, like you didn't tweet out a picture of your Vanier Cup ring a couple weeks ago? Uh, I mean, yeah, being a punter is very <laughs> profitable. That's, that's what was the story with you and Behe on your uh, on your oh, show? Oh man, that was so great. So we Behe lied to you, Coach no, P. No, so Behe they, lied to it you. It wasn't. So this was one of those veiled truths. They didn't lie to me. They just didn't tell me the full truth, <laughs> which was which is a lie. Yeah, which was like Tyler Carpinia is probably going to kick in this game, and uh, and so they sent me out there in the Vanier thinking I was the punter, the full time punter. So I'm like mentally and emotionally preparing the whole week for like I got to kick against Laval. Oh my God, field position so important against the Rouge AR. And then I end up shanking the first punt in a way that I've never shanked a punt before because I was nervous as shit. And, and then that ends up happening. And immediately I go to the sideline and they're like, it's okay, keep your head in it. I'm like, all right, they're sticking with me. I'm like, because at that point as a player, you're not even thinking about who's dressed because you don't understand roster construction. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think I remembered that Tyler was in uniform that night. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't even perceive that there was a threat that Carpinha might have taken the punting job at some point. Uh, and so, who is it? The Durham Roadrunners Junior A Hockey Club bus just went past, and it's nicer than any team bus I've ever ridden on. Jun- <laughs> it might be an OHL team. They use no, other teams' junior buses. No, Junior A said Junior A Junior I mean. Nah. I have seen opposing teams come into uh, Hamilton and face the Bulldogs, <laughs> and it's like, that's not your team bus. Yeah. You have to borrow buses, man. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, yeah, that, that podcast with Behe and Patatsik was super fun. But, uh, yeah, they lied to my face. There you go. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add in on the Willie stuff? I saw you nodding your head to Kyle there at the end of his thought. But uh, Well, I just wanted to mention, like, we talk about him making a difference in the past game, dropping out, and, like, you said the pick. The thing with Willie Jefferson is, like, he's so 
big. Like you've seen him. Like he looks big on TV. He's one oh, of no, those guys big. that like Connor and I always say like. You look big on TV and film, and then you stand beside them, and you're like, yeah. oh, wow, you're touching the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, he's a power forward in basketball. Every yeah. time that I've seen Willie in person, I, I always expect his torso to stop at a certain point, and, and it doesn't. <laughs> it just keeps yeah. – it's, like, it's like when you go to Alberta for the first time, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing mountain when you're driving out of Calgary or out of yeah. Edmonton towards the mountains. And then as you get closer and closer to the mountains, you're like – Wow, it just keeps going, huh? It's like it's just it, it never yeah. ending. It just keeps yeah. growing. I remember growing, so. at the CFL Awards in 2019, um, obviously he won uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and he walked in. And it was the first time I seen Willie not in, in football gear. Yeah. He was wearing a suit. Looked great. But stud, man, he's big. Imagine how much that would cost to have that tailor made to fit those oh, arms. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like 30 inch <laughs> arm sleeves. But, but no, with like speaking of his arms, like that's the point I was trying to get to is. When he's in the quick game, if he can't get off and tee off on a pass yeah. rush, he's going to start throwing his hands up. Yeah. And yeah. you're either going to have to start throwing errant high passes. Well, here's a question for you. What do you think Willie Jefferson gets more of tonight, sacks or knockdowns? Ooh. Because that's knockdowns, the funny one to me. Is they're going to slant. If they, slant try to, if they try to go quick, but this is the crazy thing, is like Willie impacts the game so much that – like, I understand Adam Bigho won the most outstanding defensive player of the yeah. year, and it's like, I, I thought that he should have as well, but Willie, on a snap-to-snap basis, impacts the game more than any defender in this league. He is and the most outstanding player, yeah, I think you can mm-hmm. even argue. Exactly. Like, he so makes a difference. The thing about him is that you say, well, they're just going to throw a bunch of slants off of him and, like, try to... I think he influences the game so much that he can take away the zone read game because he'll track down the backside yeah. with his length. He'll take away the interior receiver slants. So, basically, what you're trying to do if you're going to go quick game against Willie is that you are you're, you're, you're basically pre-snap reading, can I get the outside receiver <laughs> on a slant? Because I actually have to move the angle of my target wider to not only avoid him on the run, him on me running as a quarterback, but I also can't throw it on an inside slant because he'll just swat it down. And yeah. they were using the, the badminton rackets at Ticats yeah. practice again this week, which they always do when they play. That's me do getting you, a text. How about that? Do you, uh, <laughs> Do you think that they're going to start throwing like an extra hitch into Dane's dropbacks on the quick game to try and get him outside? Like if he takes an extra half hitch to try and wait on it, or I, I wonder. I if think they line up Kalinich on the end of the line and, and chip, chip Willie as much yeah, uh, like, know, as would, much as they I can. Well, that's why you have Nikola Kalinich. Right? I agree, like, he's but such th- a physical force. But this is the other thing: is like if you chip him at the start of the play, he'll just get his hands up later. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have to delay chip. And then at that point, you're, you're giving up a body in the receiving core in order to hope that you're just keeping a guy's hands down. And it's like no offensive coordinator wants to build a game plan around wasting one of your 12 bodies yeah. in order to keep a dude's hands down. I would say to Chris Van Zyl, hey, man, if he decides that he wants to start throwing his hands up, you're, what do you always coach to do, Wade? You punch him in the chest. Oh, yeah. Knock, as soon as he jumps, you're just tossing him. And even if he doesn't jump, if you punch somebody in the chest, your natural human reaction is go, leave me alone, man. Like, you bring your hands down yeah. inside, right? Inside your mm. frame. So... I mean, I don't think the whole game plan is based just around Willie's length, but this is just a great example of how frustrating it is to play against Winnipeg's defense and and what Hamilton's up against. And you can't even base it around Willie's length because on the other side... There's Jackson yeah. Jeffcoat oh, yeah. waiting for it. And yeah, I actually well. think Jeffcoat <laughs> might have a, bitter, a bigger effect on this game yeah. because of who he's going up against at the left yeah. tackle spot because I do think that's the weak link in the Ticats uh, offensive line right now. And a guy who hasn't really been talked about on the Ticats offensive line is Coulter Woodmancy, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's a rookie stepping in. 
on you know in the Great Cup, and it's not easy to do. Um, he's been great. But has he been tested? He's going to be tested tonight, even on the interior of the defensive line of Winnipeg. And then as for, you know, Sirocco and Revenberg, and we've talked about it on the podcast, you know, I think Sirocco is better at right guard than he is center. But maybe this was always the plan for him to fill in for Mike Filer. Um, but, but realize, too, in the 2019 Grey Cup, you know, the, the problems that the Ticats had in protection, we didn't really see during the season. The Ticats offensive line played great all year long. And then all of a sudden, in that game against Winnipeg in Calgary, they struggled. They struggled struggled to protect. We could see the frustration growing on Van Zyl's face, on Riker Matthews' face when he was with the Ticats, and Filer's face as well. And all of a sudden, the Ticats were reeling. Um, Tonight, it's a little bit of a different situation because we know – that they've had some issues protecting. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, Tommy Condell and Orlando Steinauer have game plan, you know, to cover up those issues enough to try to get the win. Yeah. Did I've, you guys see, I know you're in studio, I'm assuming you were watching, Jim Barker yesterday when he was talking on the CFL Grey Cup Saturday, mm-hmm. when he was talking about the mentality the Ticats had going into the 2019 Yeah, that was Grey a Cup, weird one, yeah. He was like, we thought we were going to steamroll them. So we were just kind of going through our motions that week, and then yeah. all of a sudden I saw Willie Jefferson go around the end the first play, and I was like, uh-oh. I wonder how Orlando Steinauer felt seeing that. He's like, yeah, hey, hey right? Jim, like, please stop talking for the entire staff. Like, Because yeah, like, I guarantee there's a lot of people who did not feel yeah. that way. But, I mean, uh, maybe that's just Jim doing television for the sake of television. I don't know. Getting off of, uh, off of this for a moment, uh, I just want to point out, you know, the Ticats were really bad the opening week in Winnipeg. I said it's a different team. They're a way better team. Despite that, Winnipeg didn't play great in that game. Defensively, they were unbelievable. Ticats scored the opening drive and then didn't score after yeah. that, right? <laughs> But, you know, you look at the way that game progressed. Zach Laurels and the offense of the Bombers, they weren't fantastic. The Ticats' defense now is way better than they were at the beginning of the season. So I think that's going to be the deciding factor in the game. Can Winnipeg, you know, break down the Ticats' defense enough to allow their defense to flourish? Because I think Dane Evans is in for a tough night, right? He just needs to make enough plays at the right time to get the W. So we'll see what happens, obviously, uh, at kickoff at 6 o'clock. Yep, I'm with you. We are going to dive into the other side here for a couple of minutes. But first, uh, I would like to surprise Sada Sam. I'd like, to, I'd like to just call Sam Corbet live on the air here with us and test out our new, our new technology. <laughs> Let's surprise. I hope Sam picks up. Let's find out, okay? This is so exciting. Meanwhile, it looks like we might get the startings of a brawl here at Merritt Brewing. Some Bombers fans just walked in, <laughs> and a table of Ticats fans, you could hear them through the glass. DT start to get. Yeah. <laughs> DT is on the prowl. Sam's probably looking at his phone right now saying, why the hell is Marshall calling? We, did, we didn't have anything scheduled. What's going on? I hope he calls Hey, me. Marshall. Hey, Sam, you're live on the CFP podcast. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I actually, I was supposed to do a, a, a market for, for yesterday for my wife, but then he got moved to today, so I'm actually in the middle of that's okay. That's okay. We, we just wanted to call you with our new technology here for Merritt Brewing doing our live podcast and say thank you. Okay, Thank you for the year. Thank you for the support. Thank you for helping us out and buy this new toy. And thank you as Connor is... Connor, you can say thank you as well here. What are you saying thank you to Sam for? Uh, we've got the Half Shell, the Hell's Lager. It is very <laughs> smooth, very delicious. It is partnered by you guys. That's uh, why I got it off of Betty, to be honest. I saw Sawdust and went, you know what? Anything they touch is gold, so uh, might as well. 
Have you guys rocked it with a pizza yet? Oh, uh, not yet. There? Not yet. We're going to get the Naroma with the uh, with the Merit sausage in there as well, and uh, and we're going to crush it for <laughs> awesome. you, Sam. But but thank awesome. you for everything, and we're glad that we could get a hold of you, and uh, and we're looking forward to talking to you again very soon, okay? I'm going to – I think Connor's going to have so – or sorry, Wade's going to have so much of the uh, the half shell, I'm going to have to carry him out of Tim Hortons Field tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Are you guys getting jacked for the game, I guess, hey? What's the weather like? We might as well. We might as well. Awesome. Weather's great. Yeah, it's going to look beautiful down there right now. The sun – I have a feeling – when the sun goes down, she might get a little chilly. But hey, yeah. December twelfth. What the hell are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. December twelfth. Exactly. Right. It's December. Okay. Nobody can complain with this weather. Yeah. No doubt. Sam, thank you, brother. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Marshall. Cheers. See you, Connor. There Bye. you go. All right, Sam Corbet. I just, I'm going to start calling random people when we're doing this now, when we're just remote. <laughs> the most exciting thing we've ever done. I think. Before we went on air, you're, uh, you called your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, your fiance. And, whoa, uh, whoa! 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 Hey, uh, huh? talking about my girlfriend and my fiance in the same conversation <laughs> <laughs> and uh she was like it, the the call ended with the tone of why'd you call me i think she was a, <laughs> i think she was asleep <laughs> i'm pretty sure because i know that noah I, I was with him all morning and uh and we took him for a long walk and then he fell asleep and i have a feeling that i, I probably woke her up unfortunately <laughs> you know what uh i'm gonna throw a grenade into the middle of the conversation and then go use the washroom because we don't have commercial breaks when we're doing live podcasts and i don't feel like editing any of this so i'm just gonna say to you guys that my key for hamilton's defense is i went back and i looked at the start of uh i guess it was great cup monday in 2019 and what i ended up doing was going back through my tweets because i was analyzing the game and tweeting out things i had seen and I realized that on first down in the 2019 Great Cup, Andrew Harris had 14 carries on first down. Like a usual running back, if you get a lot of touches, you'll have 15, 20 carries in the game. Yeah. He had 14 on first down alone for an average of 7.5 yards per carry on first down. Now that's an average. That's not the, you know, the total accumulation. It doesn't give the most accurate picture. There were less, there were more. But to average 7.5 on first down, that essentially means that Winnipeg was living in second and three or second and yeah. four for the whole game. The entire playbook is open on that. My question to you guys is, especially with Ted Laurent, obviously, with the, the uh, appendectomy, is how in the hell do you prevent that from happening again? Ooh, I think the Ticats uh, defensive line, it's interesting, and, and we've talked about it you know, on, on Martian Mello on CFP. You know, when I look at it, Wade, I say, you know, Ted Laurent, when he went down um, now, his trajectory for, for this season has been weird because at the beginning of the season, I thought, hey, this is a different Ted than I saw in 2019. He looks a little bit better. Then in the middle part of the season hit, and I thought he dropped off while the other three were really, you know, peaking out um, in terms of, you know, Ja'Gary Davis, Julian Hauser, and Dylan Wynn. And then the last, I would say, two, three regular season games and definitely the last week in Toronto, I thought Ted Laurent had, had returned. Um, so it is a big loss um, for the Ticats today. Um, Autry stepping in, you know, is a rookie, so we don't know what to expect. Um, I think Hamilton's defense is better suited to slow down the run um, now than they were in 2019, despite the dominance of their defense. I, I think so, too. And the thing for me that I've been saying to Connor all week on our shows is this team does not forget 2019. They are going to sell out and sell out hard yeah. to prevent Andrew Harris from having the big game like he did two years ago in the Grey Cup. I mean, like his prop this week, I know you've seen it, it's 98.5 yards, 99 yeah. yards on some, on some betting companies. Uh, I think that's an absolute huge line for him. 
But it just shows that, like, people think that it's going to be a repeat of the Grey Cup where he just runs and has this dominance. And I, I know that those defensive coordinators, the defense staff, the defensive line room especially, they are sitting in meetings saying, no effing way yeah. is this going to be how we lose. Like, we're not losing a Grey Cup this way again. Yeah. And I think they're just going to sell out for it, and they're going to end up having to play man coverage against Kenny Lawler and yeah. Dembski and Wolotarski and... It might bite them with Caleros, but they're going to sell out for that run. Another thing that's interesting, too, and, and Marsh, you know this as well. In 2019, Justin Tuggle was the middle linebacker for the Ticats, and he really struggled in the Great Cup. And he had points in that regular season where I thought he was the weak spot on the defense because yeah. he missed tackles a lot in the hole. Um, Jovan Santos-Knox has been a little bit more consistent than Tuggle was. Um, and also, Cam Kelly. Cam Kelly is a physical, maybe sometimes crosses the line <laughs> in terms of the way he plays the game. Um, but, but that dude, he, he can come up and make plays. And, you know, maybe it was always this way, but Tunde Adelike too, you know, him a halfback now, maybe he's playing a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, so if, you know, some plays, they do decide to run the ball, Tunde can make a play. So I, I do think that it's going to be an interesting way the game flows because I think adjustments are going to be huge in this game. Yeah. What do you look like in the first quarter and can you make the adjustments? You know this 2019 Great Cup, Ticats had a lot of injuries early in the game. Let's hope that doesn't happen tonight. Let's hope the Ticats have a full strength roster and can make those adjustments to, to, to combat what Winnipeg is doing. And when we look at the, the injuries, I mean obviously it was like ice in the last Great Cup in 2019. Yeah. We've got mild weather here in southern Ontario, southwestern yeah. Ontario. I mean, it was like plus 13 back in Brockville for me yesterday. I mean, you guys. Ah, uh, Brock Vegas. It's, uh, I went to walk through yesterday. I didn't wear a jacket. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it is nice down here in Hamilton. And the field, I'm, I'm assuming, is going to be in prime condition. It looked good yesterday. Um, so I think we could see less and less. I know it's turf, and you can never judge it a game on injuries looking at the field, but we have less chance for yeah. it based off Let's the just say it's not below. Edmonton 2018. Yeah. Right? Was that <laughs> yeah. the, uh, was that that the was ice field when everybody frozen. was slipping? Yeah, that yes. was the frozen field. It was not a blast, I know. But it was, you know what's funny about that, though, guys? And, and this has always kind of, like, stuck out to me. 2018 Edmonton, like, that was, a, that was a tough spot. But, like, BC Place this year in Vancouver, their turf was trash all year. Like, yeah. they're, they're getting that swapped out. It's, yeah. it's bad turf. So it's not always conditions that created sometimes it's actually the quality of the turf and early in the year i was actually a little bit scared because tim hortons field in the first couple of home games for the cats because they got the new turf in as well yeah it didn't look great and i i just thought man like you're gonna host the gray cup here this year at the start of the season it doesn't look yeah. like it's really holding up all that well but um the one thing i do think that probably the happiest people in all of hamilton regardless of what ends up happening with the result of this game field maintenance people because yeah. the paint on the field so, a little bit of background on this. I know because I actually talked to some stadium operations people in Toronto. When they put the paint down for the yard markers, obviously they're doing the digital ads now on the broadcast. When they put the paint down, when you have to clean the snow off and when you have to run like the, the carts over that essentially like yeah. pick it up off the grass, that will scrub away the paint yep. naturally. They tried a test run earlier this week before it poured rain and before it snowed and before they had to shovel and scrape the fields and all the rest. And the paint that they put down at Tim Hortons Field earlier this week also didn't hold up. It looked so bad by the middle to the end of the it week. looked great yesterday. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> we got beautiful weather, and everybody's like, oh, my God, the wind, the wind, the wind. Dries the paint. Yeah, the wind dried the paint, like, in record <laughs> yeah. time because it was it basically like somebody was holding a blow dryer, an industrial-sized blow dryer, to an entire football field for several hours. So 
the field is going to be, I think, in pristine condition yeah. because the turf actually settled. Like, as the year yeah. went on, now you don't have these. And I was walking on it at, uh, I want to say Wednesday or Thursday this week. It has this natural springiness to it, but it's not too deep. Like, Tim Hortons Field, I think, is a decently fast track relative to a lot of other places that you have around the CFL. So, I, I honestly, yeah. we talk so much about Andrew Harris. I think Don Jackson could have a good game. But for me, this yep. really... I, I would love to see Hamilton, and I say this partially because I had that recent conversation with John Behe talking about our 2011 Vanier Cup. In that game, we only had 25, pass, uh, 25 plays total on our play band, on our wrist. But in that game, we ran like 90 offensive plays. And we threw the ball so many times. And the reason that we threw it so many times Quinlan's was because we could just like <laughs> sling it all over the place, but also because their defensive line for Laval was terrifying. Arnaud Gascon and Don, Fredo Plessius would come down from his linebacker yeah. spot. They had a big body. I think Desjardins, Vincent Desjardins might have been in the, in the front there uh, for them at the same time as well. There's always a Desjardins somewhere in the Laval uh, defensive line. Uh, but they, they were terrifying as a pass rush, and we said, well, let's just try to keep them honest instead of running at them because we knew we couldn't run at them. Let's throw it all over the place. My dream scenario for tonight is that Dane Evans has 50 pass attempts. <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I would love that because Connor and I talked in our, uh, our all-Canadian Grey Cup gambling special for Friday. I love Dane Evans over in completions. It's set at 16 and a half. Oh, my God. I think, I think uh, the stat I pulled up was when he started in 2019, he had like one or two games uh, that he was underneath 16 completions. Yeah. Like, he's a high-volume thrower. He's a rhythmic passer. Hang on. I got I to gotta find the right... Yeah, okay, can you just give me that over-under again for the uh, Dane Evans? He is, uh, his over-under is set at 16 and a half. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rim shot. The and, best uh, part about this whole thing is that Wade doesn't even know what's on the soundboard because he doesn't have no, headphones I'm, on. I'm, fully I'm, I'm, I'm playing you sound You were saying effect. the Twilight Zone stuff, and then I just in my head, yeah. welcome to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he that, has no idea what sound clips yeah. we're playing for him, but he's playing along and just going, ha, 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 ha. But you bring up the, the, the total, um, you know, where the line is set at 16 and a half for Dane Evans. You know, at home at Tim Hortons Field, and I asked him this question yesterday at the press conference, and he did know the stat because I didn't know if he knew. His only loss at Tim Hortons Field was his first start in the CFL in 2018, the last game against the Montreal Alouettes, and they lost it by two. Larry Harla, who missed a field goal, um, as time expired. What a bum. That yeah. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Where'd he even get off? Yeah. Yeah, the Ticats <laughs> could use Liram today. Let's just say that. Yeah, um, Michael Damagal, I saw him, you know, walking around yesterday and, you know, he had a hell of a game the, in the, the, the East semi against Montreal. Um, his best game as a Ticat, you know, last week against Toronto, you know, considering the, the circumstances and the, the weather, um, it wasn't a fantastic day. Um, hopefully this weather holds up for, for Michael Damagala to, to, you know, have a, a good day. And for Winnipeg, too, their kicking hasn't been great all season. But I, I mentioned Dane, that, that loss in 2018, and, you know, I asked him, did you know that was your only loss? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, you've reeled off seven straight wins as a starter at Tim Hortons <laughs> Field. Um, you know, so, so what about this place gives you comfort? And he goes, I think it's more of a team, you know, stat, and I, I tend to agree with him. But, but Dane at home, he just has this thing this rhythm where he feeds off the crowd even more so than jeremiah because anybody that knows jeremiah he is so strong mentally where i'm pretty sure you can cheer as loud as you want and he's just going to tune it out yeah. where i don't think dane is like that i think dane feeds off you know i'm not saying the you know booing on the road you know hurts him in any way but i think the the hearing the crowd 
you know, motivates him and energizes him. And he has a different mentality than Jeremiah Masoli. We saw this last week. Yeah. He takes off and he runs for a first down. He gets tripped up after like a four-yard gain. Mm-hmm. He slams the ball into the turf. And it's not about, oh, our offensive line broke down and I had to try to run for a first down. It was, damn, I could have helped our football team by running for a first down. And he always, he has this inner self about him and inner awareness that he's like, I can help my football team at every turn and I'm going to do everything possible to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, I love that about him. And this is the, the thing that I think should give Ticats fans hope in terms of the big picture in this great cup. And again, if you're listening to this after the game and they lose by 30, disregard this. But, <laughs> but if they're going to have success, it's because Dane Evans. Yeah. And, I, and like I bring up the 50 pass attempts thing just because I think that would be fun. It, it would go back to more of his Tulsa style gunslinger and all the rest. But really what this comes down to for me is that Dane Evans, everybody, you, like you ask him questions and it's, oh, shucks. And like he's, he's kind of like great with the media and super chill and all the rest. On the football field, he's a dog. Yeah. Like that's the thing that I think actually endears him to a lot of people in the organization and in the fan base is that he has this inner competitiveness that if you watch closely, it only comes out when he's talking smack once, maybe twice a game. It only comes out when he's running the football where he actually shows it with his actions instead of his words. But he has this ability to get real. Fi- but the thing is, Zach's got the same thing. Yeah. Like, wasn't that what felt like made people fall in love with Zach in Hamilton? Was that he was kind of gritty, and fiery grinding. nature about yeah, him. Yeah. And it was like he'll take the quarterback sneaks, get up, and talk smack to you, and like he'll run through people at the goal line, and like he's done stuff like that in his career when he was in Hamilton. That I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Zach yeah. in his earlier days in the CFL five six years ago to where Dane is today. One thing I do want to mention in this game, and you know, I meant to bring it up a little bit earlier when we we're talking about the Tigers defense Julian Hauser he has a massive responsibility today containing Zach Alaros we know this where does Zach always have success rolling to his right yeah. Julian Hauser has to make damn sure that Zach Alaros does not have that ability to do that tonight yeah. because if he does it might be a long day for the Ticats um, of Zach and it was week one right the, the plays that Zach made were all when he was rolling to his right. Totally. So Julian Hauser has to be able to, you know, assist in the run and Andrew Harris and slide down the line and, and make a play, but also not allow um, Zach Laros to, to step up and uh, one of the tanks just turned yeah, on. Yeah, I think we're brewing all of a sudden. You know what? That's the best way for us to end this podcast, I think. But there's one more thing I'd like to do. I'd like to make one more phone call. Phone a friend. Let's see. And let's see whether or not Hello? Hello. Hello, Mom. How are you? I'm fine. What is what? Uh, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a brewery. I'm live taping a podcast right now. Aren't you proud of your son? He's, uh, he's sitting inside of a brew house talking to people while drinking beers. Aren't you proud? <laughs> That's what all the noise is. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, we're ending the podcast right now, but I couldn't end the podcast without asking for a score prediction from you. Tie Cats, <laughs> Bombers, 108th Grey Cup. Who does mom have? I can't hear you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> mom, Tie Cats, Bombers, 108th Grey Cup. Who you got? Who I got? I got Hamilton. Hey, how about that? We got <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I pressed the wrong button. All right, love you, Mom. Thanks. Bye. Hey, love you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And that, everyone, is how you end a podcast. And the tanks are gone. (laughs) All right, that's it. (laughs) Just want to end it that way? (laughs) As awkwardly as humanly possible. Love my mom.